Are you ready to change the way you think about work? Join leaders from the world's biggest organizations, international best-selling authors, trailblazers, and innovators at today's fastest-growing companies. These are the top minds in business, marketing, design, and real estate, here to explore how great work gets done. I'm George Lucas Pfeiffer, and you're listening to Work Inspired. Today's guest is a senior leader at an iconic brand and one that sparks fond, nostalgic memories from my childhood and probably yours as well. We're so excited to be talking today with the Chief People Officer from Radio Flyer. Please welcome Amy Bestuga. Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. Really can't wait to talk to you about your experience and about what you guys are doing over at Radio Flyer. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's start by talking about your professional story. What kind of inspired you to join Radio Flyer? And what were the steps that you took in your career to get to this point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I think back about my story, it really does start back with my childhood with my parents. Um, It was really the foundation for the steps that I took throughout my career. My parents always wanted what was best for us. They both modeled working really, really hard. And they taught us not to take things for granted. However, at the same time, when I was growing up, I remember seeing my dad work in a lot of really hard jobs. And he did not enjoy his work. And I saw how that really negatively affected us at home. And what it meant for me as I was looking to my career and to find my own path, I realized that it was really important to find something that you enjoy to do and really think about what is your purpose and what is your passion so that you could combine those in whatever you choose to do in your life's work. So that realization um, didn't happen before I started pursuing my career. That was just a foundation that I had. So I went to college and I decided I was going to pursue a business accounting degree. And there was a moment that occurred that completely redirected me to a career that is now a phenomenal fit for me. Now, what happened was that I took an accounting class. So remember, I said I wanted to be a business accounting major and I took an accounting class. So that was the moment that I knew I was not going to be an accountant. (laughs) So it was a really important and great insight that led me to pivot. So what I pivoted to was a corporate communications degree. So another aspect of business. And while I was going through this exploration of saying, well, what is my next now that I figured out what I don't want to do, I decided to commit to something that I was really passionate about. So I decided to also pursue a child development degree. You know, I had worked at a Montessori school for five years and I really enjoyed it. So all of a sudden, here I am in college. And I don't feel like I'm taking classes anymore. I seriously just felt like I was learning and I absolutely loved it. It completely changed my outlook and completely reinforced this concept that I had learned without being conscious of that committing to something that you really enjoy allows you to be passionate and allows you to get carried away in your work and allows you to master something. So that was um, the redirection really early on that I really feel like set me on the right path. So when I then graduated from college, I was really fortunate because I worked um, at a corporate childcare center. So it was through this work at a this corporate childcare center that I started to realize all of the elements of human resources. 
So I realized that human resources helped create positive work environments for people. I realized that human resources provided opportunities for learning and growing. I realized that human resources were the, the, the professionals that helped individuals match their skills and passions with work on the job. So it was this, um, this realization that my two paths, my corporate communications and my child development degree and my desire to teach could come together. Um, and so I feel really fortunate about, you know, those intersections coming together. And then those led me to pursue a master's degree in human resources management and development. So each of these crossroads are leading to more clarity, which was you know super exciting. And then um, I again feel very fortunate because my first HR job was at an organization that was really a pioneer of this people-first approach. The name of the organization was Felpro, and uh, it was a private organization. Elliot Lehman and Lou Weinberg were second-generation leaders, and they really believed that treating people well was the right thing to do. And they believed it was good for business. And I was so inspired by their leadership and commitment to creating a great place to work. And they really wanted employees to thrive. And all of their decisions that they made and all of the projects and the execution that our team was was doing and the projects I got to work on was to achieve this mission of putting people first to then help individuals, which in turn helped the organization. So that level of excellence and commitment was the foundation for my HR career. And I was super fortunate. So if you fast forward in this journey, you know, 10 years later, um, I actually had a mentor from when I was an intern at that organization call me about an opportunity at Radio Flyer. And she said, I have a perfect job for you. And so she called me. I was very happy in the job that I was at. I was working at an organization um, that also had a people-first approach. Um, I had multiple locations. I um, had gone through an evolution in my career where I had three young children under the age of three. Yes, three under three. That usually comes when you have twins. So it multiplies more quickly. <laughs> um, and I was given an opportunity to work um, part-time in an HR director role at a corporate office. So I was really happy in my in my job and felt like I had a wonderful balance. But what Radio Flyer introduced to me was this wonderful opportunity and this perfect blend to be able to work for a brand that was about bringing smiles <laughs> and creating more memories. I mean, how cool is that? I had been working in the automotive industry. I had worked with automotive gaskets. But here was an opportunity to work with toys and children and spreading smiles. It was just fantastic. It was also a 100-year-old organization. And it was a third generation. Um, and Robert Passon, who was the grandson of the founder, he was the leader of Radio Flyer. And his number one objective was to build a great workplace and a great company. And he said he wanted to build a place where people could thrive, not just survive. Mm. And he felt like it was essential for Radio Flyer to build that type of a culture to be around 100 years from now. Mm. So... When I heard that story, I knew I had to spend more time learning about this opportunity because I felt like it was calling me. (laughs) 
That's amazing. Well, I mean, and it's such an amazing story, A, because you're able to combine your, your business passion, marketing communications, and, 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 and the education, childhood development. And then you find a company that actually is well known for creating these products that are, are like iconic in mm-hmm. the development of, or at least in most of our ch- childhood memories. I, I, you know, pull my kids around in our radio flyer wagon. And uh-huh. I was really looking forward to this interview, actually, because, uh, <laughs> because I was like, I think of you guys every time ta- I think I was thinking of you every time I was taking my kids for a walk. So uh-huh. what a, cr- what a cool story. And, and you mentioned, you know, a great place to work and, uh, and that mm-hmm. people first approach. I mean, even if you're in an industry or a business where you're not able to create as fun of a product or maybe as (laughs) iconic as a a product as you guys create, Mm -hmm. I think it's still so applicable uh, because Mm -hmm. every organization has people involved and Mm -hmm. therefore it's possible to create this great place to work regardless Mm -hmm. of what your profession or industry is. And, And I love that you guys have been recognized as being a great place to work multiple times. And so you've, 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 you've talked about some of the ingredients that make that happen. What -hmm. would you say though, as far as radio flyer as an organization, what does it look like when you walk in and it truly is a great place to work? What does that mean to you guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being a great place to work is this combination of um, internal validation, external validation, but really it's made up of how each individual feels about the work that they're doing and the way that those individuals come together to then contribute to the larger objective or purpose of the organization. Mm -hmm. So when we we set out um, to be a great place to work or when we get recognition for being a great place to work. You know, we we like to say that we've built a phenomenal culture and phenomenal spelled F U N O M E N A L, phenomenal <laughs> culture. And that's because we believe it brings this combination of excellence and joy together. And when you think about what does that mean for an individual, you know, in their job, um, we talk a lot about people being able to say, I love my job. Um, and it's a, it's a great way to frame it up because if somebody's saying, I love my job, it means a lot of things. So what we did first was we broke it down to say, what does that exactly mean? When somebody says those words, I love my job, typically it means that they are in a job where they are using both their skills and their passions. So it's this combination of usage of strength and mastery with things that people enjoy to do. The second element of um, thriving and loving your job has to do with learning and growing. Mm -hmm. If you ever hear somebody talk about their past or something that they really enjoy doing, it almost always involves this element of being stretched or trusted or learning something or overcoming something. So this concept of learning and growing was a really important concept and something that we needed to build into our culture and the design of our work. Also, individuals want to feel like they are part of something and they want to work on a high performing team. Mm -hmm. So we knew that building a team of high performers and then creating a culture where people felt like they belonged with each other on this team working towards the same purpose, that was really important. And then the last element that we talked about was just being proud, being proud of where you work because you're proud of the work that you do, because you're proud of what the company stands for, and you're proud of the output and the quality that you put into this world. So for us, being a great place to work was 
building an environment where people could find truth in these four elements. And so we set out to build people practices and hire a leadership team that believed in uh, intentionally designing the practices and the structure and the commitment to make those four things happen. Mm. It's yeah, because you said the phenomenal experience. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I I, initially was thinking, you just got you guys are just playing, you're having a great, you know, (laughs) great time, you show up and it's all play, Mm -hmm. maybe no work, which obviously (laughs) sounds great. Uh, and, and maybe something that a, uh, a company like yours could, could get away with. But then when you started describing what does it mean to be a great place to work, you were talking about things like success and growth and development mm-hmm. and pride and passion. And those things, you know, in addition to having fun, I could totally, they, they very much resonate with, with what it would mean for me personally to, to go to work every day, feeling mm-hmm. like I want to be there. And, and walking and and leaving and saying, man, this is this is where I want to have a career. So mm-hmm. uh, that's really admirable. How how do you maintain that though? You gave us a couple of examples of some of the the mm-hmm. tactics that you're putting in place by mm-hmm. hiring the right leadership team and having um, mm-hmm. intentional uh, projects and development groups. What are some of the other ways that you do you that you make sure that this isn't something you just talk about, but it's actually mm-hmm. something that you enact and live by? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first and foremost, having a leadership team that has the people first approach Mm -hmm. and this mindset um, is really important because this requires intentional action and commitment and resources. So really, the way that we ensure and we sustain this type of culture is at the beginning, we viewed every new hire as an opportunity to evolve our culture to excellence. So we start with the hiring process. And one of the things that we do in our hiring process is we send every candidate a letter before their second or third interview. And in this letter, we beg them not to take this job unless it's the best job they've ever had. And this letter is signed by Robert Passon, our chief wagon officer. And we use the word beg. (laughs) We beg you not to take this job. So we're doing a few things in this in this um, this letter or the this this dialogue that we're starting with them is we're saying this is your choice too. Are you choosing to commit to Radio Flyer? Do you believe in our mission? Are you aligned with our values? You know our values are out there. They're there for everyone to read, and we want to make sure that these values align with the individuals that we're hiring. And We also know that it's impossible for us to get to know somebody as well as somebody knows themselves. Mm -hmm. So we try to create this mutual decision-making process so that from the beginning, people are choosing before they even start to commit to this environment and commit to this role. So we go through that process and we call it, you know, self-selecting in. Um, and by doing that at the beginning and by, you know, another, another way that we say this is we tell people about Radio Flyer, we don't try to sell them because we want our challenges to be something that gets somebody really excited. So Mm. we tell people the challenges of the jobs. We tell them the truth because somebody out there is going to be super, super excited and passionate about solving the problem that we have. And that's the person that we want to, to, to hire for that position. 
So when we bring them in, so that's where we start. So that's the number one thing So that's is the hiring. But then also we go through a process where we are reinforcing the behaviors that we want to see. You know, so we live by the little red rule, which is every time we touch people's lives, they will feel phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that is our commitment to our customers. It's also our commitment to our flyers. And so we want to make each other feel phenomenal when we're interacting with each other. So we have a Little Red Rule award that we give out about twice a year. And we have um, anybody can nominate anyone in the company. And then we have a vision, mission, and values committee that selects this winner. And so Mm -hmm. we're reinforcing the values that we want to see through this amazing award that people get. They get a parking spot. They get to donate a gift. They get another day off work. They get a a gift card. So they get all of these... um, rewards and recognition. Um, and what's most, what's most prized is the actual plaque that goes on their desk. Now, what comes um, another important element in addition to recognition is accountability. So a key to sustaining our culture is having a high level of accountability. So I mentioned our little red rule. Um, every time we touch people's lives, they'll feel, for, feel phenomenal. We also live by the flyer code. And so the flyer code is our values. So the F is for fanatical customer experiences. The L is for live with integrity. The Y is for yes, I can. The E is for excellence in everything. And the R is responsible for success. So we built these into our performance management process. So as we are giving feedback, you know, helping people grow and develop and assessing performance, we look at both results and values. And it is 50-50. How you do your work here is just as important as the results that you achieve because we believe that the how either builds momentum or could erode trust or momentum if you don't have somebody that's living your values. So hiring, you know, people that are a match for the position, recognizing, you know, the behaviors that that you want to see in your company culture, and then the high level of accountability are some of the ways that we sustain this over time. I love that. When you talk about hiring people that are the right match for the position Mm -hmm. and actually begging them to make sure that this is (laughs) the job they absolutely love and, you know, really making sure that this is the right person Mm -hmm. for the role. Do you find that that slows down the hiring process significantly? Mm -hmm. We do find that it is a time investment. Mm. But we've studied this over 10 years. We significantly reduced the number of final round interviews by asking the clarifying questions earlier in the process. So over time, it saved us time. In addition, the first um, people turning over in the first year of hire significantly went down from 10 years ago to today because we started asking more questions, making this a more mutual decision-making process. So it does require an investment of time, but it is an extremely important investment of time that we feel like has absolutely returned value. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You also talked, I mean, you give me a few examples here, you, the sheep wagon officer, the, uh, the little red rule, the flyer, mm-hmm. you know, nomenclature. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you've also got two IC2 wagons in your screen right now. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you guys are incorporating your iconic product uh-huh. and brand into that employee experience. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, I, I probably already said it here a few times, but part of our mission is to bring smiles to kids of all ages and create more memories that last a lifetime. Our flyers are kids of all ages. Um, so we do incorporate our products both physically and emotionally into their new flyer experiences. So we do this before we hire them. So I'm going to show you. So after somebody accepts an offer, we mail them this little, we call it a number one miniature wagon to their house. Um, and we say, we are looking forward to you coming to join the company. So our hope is, is that when this lands at their house, um, it does a few things. One, it lets them know we're looking forward to them com- coming. Two, it comes in this little box that is um, the history behind the number one wagon, which talks about the World's Fair and how Antonio Passan made and sold these wagons and really put Radio Flyer on the world stage. And it's when we achieved iconic status. So they are connecting to our history through getting this. Um, maybe most importantly, what this little wagon says to them um, after, you know, hopefully it makes them smile is that we're telling them, don't go interviewing anybody anywhere else. You've made your decision and this is where you belong. So let's keep working together to get you, get you onboarded. So we're doing, you know, things like that before they even start. And then after people are working at Radio Flyer, you know, part of our onboarding process, everybody's assembling products. So they'll assemble between three and 10 of our products. And we do this for a few reasons. One, because we want them to actually experience the consumer experience. You know, what does it feel like to get a box and then open a box and then start to assemble a box and the highs and lows of assembling certain products, the anticipation. Um, And it really starts to connect them physically to the product, but also um, experiencing what consumers go through. So we use that for connecting to the product them learning about our products and also for feedback. So right from the beginning, we're telling people that their opinion matters to us. We're changing instructions. We're passing on feedback to customer service or quality through that process, actually interacting with our products. Um, and then it comes to, you know, the, the, the epic, the epic relay races that we have here. So we have, um, trike races. We have races in our Tesla cars. Um, we, 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 we throw our rider bears, um, into bozo buckets to try to earn points and really tap into the competitive child spirit in everyone. And so again, you know, what that does is it's connecting people to the brand and it's connecting them to each other, which is a really important part of building a community and keeping your culture strong. And we are very fortunate that our products allow for so much play. Mm, Certainly. Mm. I I wanna switch gears a tiny bit here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But not really, because as we're recording this, it's the end of one of the most disruptive and change-provoking years that we've ever lived through, 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of what you're talking about, this people-first, great place to work experience where a lot of it's very tangible-seeming. You know, um, Mm -hmm. some of the things you just talked about are things that happen in the workplace, right? Obviously, the Mm -hmm. wagon they could ship to the home is something that you can continue Mm -hmm. to do. But how are you guys handling the impact that COVID-19 has had on 
um, mm-hmm. on the remote nature and the digital nature of how we're currently collaborating and what kind mm-hmm. of impact has that had on, on, on your role at Radio Flyer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we needed to reflect on just thinking about this whole year, 2020, was that we've been around 100 years. So flyers that have come before us have also faced lots of challenges, global challenges, local challenges. And, you know, flyers that have been working here for 100 years have tapped into their creativity, their innovation, their collaboration to overcome and find a way to thrive, to continue to do good in this world and and um, put products in people's hands that are a symbol of good and that do remind us all that imagination can take us to great places. So when we were heading into this... Um, uh, situation. And, you know, within 24 hours, we had to shift to a remote workforce. Um, everybody jumped into action and lived the same values that they were living two weeks prior. So we thought that this was going to be this great big change. It was a great big change, but it didn't change our behavior. So let me explain what I mean by that. Excellence and everything kicked right in. Our IT team and our warehouse team had things shipped and at doors and vans pulling up with headsets for customer service and microphones and new keyboards and, you know, tablets for marketing so that everybody was ready to start working right away. The next thing that we knew was that we were in an environment where this connection and communication was so important. So right away, we started doing daily communication. And that was with our teams. And we started to make sure everybody felt informed so that they knew what was going on and so that everyone still felt aligned so that they could feel a sense of confidence while the external environment was feeling so out of control. From a leadership perspective, one of the things that um, we did, or our, our chief wagon officer, Robert, immediately in our first company meeting, tried to instill confidence in everyone. And he said, we are a 100-year-old organization. We have seen tough things before. We will see this through together. And there will be no layoffs. I do not want you worrying about if you have a job or not. I want you focused on delivering on your job, adapting to this environment so we can continue to produce products and be innovative and get things out in the world that bring smiles. Mm -hmm. And he meant that and we stuck to it. So this instilling of confidence also allowed us to leverage this people first approach so that everybody could focus on doing good together for the the business and the work that they needed to do. So we relied on our values but then just kept trying to to innovate. You know, we we had very generous benefits. So what this situation caused us to do is think more creative creatively. So we implemented our own COVID-19 20-day paid time off policy. And that was because we wanted people to feel like they could stay home to take care of a loved one. It didn't have to be your own illness. It could have been, you know, your parents or if you needed to homeschool your children before we knew that this was going to be a more steady state. Mm-hmm. We wanted people to feel like they would have pay continuation 
to make choices to take care of their their family. Um, and we also, you know, we gave everybody $1,500 to help set up their home offices so that it could be um, you know, easier to feel like you were in your regular work environment. Again, we were doing these things before we knew that this was going to be a more permanent state. Um, so then we just kept adapting um, our beliefs or not adapting our beliefs, leaning on our beliefs to adapt our behavior as we started to then create more social interactions and virtual connection opportunities. Um, you know, so instead of having relay races, um, you know, with the Teslas and the and the the tricycles, what we did was we did a virtual um, I Spy game, and in this virtual I Spy game, we had pictures from all of our old events, and we had pictures of um, like iconic trophies or medals that we gave out at these events. So we found a way to tap into a physical experience emotionally and virtually. So that's what I mean by. We stayed true to our values, but then just we're coming up with new ideas in this new environment to help everybody stay connected. I love it. We talked about the past. We talked about the present. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the future for a second. Mm-hmm. We, uh, where, what does a 100-year-old company look <laughs> forward to uh, or uh, strive to be different and innovate mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. next... Let's not go 100 more years. Let's say the next five, (laughs) 10 years. Where will Radio Flyer be in the next decade? Yeah. You know, we started with a single wagon um, Mm -hmm. and that's hard to believe. And now we come out with 20 to 30 new products a year. You Mm -hmm. know, innovation is at our core and we just want to keep finding timeless ways um, to bring smiles, you know, to people. And, you know, we're just going to keep focusing our efforts on what is most important, and that is inspiring imagination. So our team is working on things that, you know, who knows what the future will bring in terms of how far the brand can go. But I can tell you right now, focusing on imagination and getting kids outdoors and helping them, um, you know, actively play, especially during this time period is so important. And so we've realized that even our core product line right now has really met a very important need during this time period. And we're hoping that active play um, becomes even more of a priority in the future. Because as you know, screen play had become um, really common and uh, really popular over the last 10 years that this might be a wonderful transition back into active outdoor play and um, you know using imagination in a really wonderful way. I hope you're right because you're because that's I hadn't thought of it until now. But now we they are, are my kids at least, and so many kids are they have to be on a screen for things that they never had to yes. be on a screen for before. And mm-hmm. so it makes sense that we stop being on a screen for the optional times and, and maybe get back outside or or, or be mm-hmm. a little bit more physical or active, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, when we've got a choice not to be on a screen. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of the innovations and some of the new mm-hmm. the imagination that you guys come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, final, final couple questions here, and mm-hmm. and and it's a, it's a bit of a shift to being more kind of personal advice from your okay. perspective as a leader uh, with your experience. Mm-hmm. If you were mentoring somebody that was looking to grow in in a professional way, especially mm-hmm. maybe in a path that you that you took, or maybe just in general, what's some mm-hmm. advice that you give to that person? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I have three things that I like to focus on. And it is know yourself, know your stuff, know your business. Mm. Um, And these are things that I've used to guide me from very early in my career. And I find that it fits into almost every coaching situation uh, at all stages of somebody's career. So the way I I explain it is is that, you know, first knowing yourself so that you can use your strengths to navigate uh, your weaknesses. And so that you can use your strengths to add value to your organization and to remove roadblocks. Knowing your stuff is all about whatever your technical craft is. Become a technical expert, leverage your strengths. And this is how you can continue to build your knowledge by knowing your stuff to then contribute to an organization. And then you have to know the business. And the reason you have to know the business is because after you know yourself, your strengths and weaknesses, and you know your stuff, which is your technical craft, you have to be able to then piece it into adding value based on your particular business model or the business that you are applying these skills in. So if you can know yourself and know your stuff and then share with others how this is going to add value to the business, you're going to do two things throughout your whole career. You're going to continue to learn and grow and you're going to continue to add more value to whatever situation that you're in. Awesome. And very well articulated and broken down. I might start using that too. That's (laughs) that's great. Um, What is a resource that's been valuable to you that you might recommend? Yeah. You know, so whenever I get this question, I always go back to there are just some core principles and authors that no matter when you read them two weeks ago or 20 years ago, the things that they wrote are still really valuable. So Ken Blanchard is one of my all-time favorites. Um, I find that whenever I read his work and apply his tools and his learnings, it really sets leaders and people up for success. Um, so leading at a higher level, it's a really long book. I will say that. But I always find it to be an amazing toolkit that when I'm talking to people, I bring that one out. And I say, I encourage you to read the elements of this book. You don't have to read them all in order, but this is a great go-to. Now, at the same time, you know, I want to, you know, keep my thinking fresh and open. And um, a couple years ago, I got involved with an organization called Disrupt HR. And just by the name of it, Disrupt HR, I think all of us HR professionals got excited, you know, because HR doesn't always get a lot of credit for being disruptive. Um, So what I loved about that organization is that it was really a way to empower HR professionals to start thinking differently about the way that we approach our work. So the series, uh, their main format is they have these events and these wonderful five-minute talks. And um, each individual gets up and shares a concept and it's high energy and, and it's really quite fun. And what I found for myself is that it inspired me to reconnect with some old concepts or new concepts or to start thinking differently about what I wanted to learn more about. Because best practices um, also could imply doing the same practices that other people have done. So I found through the Disrupt HR talks that it's just kind of inspired me different at this stage in my career to get more curious again and to continue to grow and learn. I love that. Some 
some new some uh, 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 a disruptive group and also some timeless uh, mm-hmm. a timeless resource from an effective leader at a timeless organization. Mm-hmm. Amy, this has been such a pleasure to speak with you and to learn from you. I can't thank you enough mm-hmm. for taking time to be on on our show here and uh, and thank you for all the insight and and perspective you've given our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a pure joy um, sitting here and talking. I could talk about this stuff all day with you. Thank you so much for taking our wagons out with your children. And I'm truly, truly, it brings me smiles to know that when you're out there, you're remembering your childhood and having fun because it's why we do what we do every day. So thanks for an opportunity to share part of our story with you and your listeners today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to rate our show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Work Inspired Podcast so that you don't miss any of the incredible guests we have planned for upcoming episodes. We'll continue to find the best and brightest minds in business so that you can learn, grow, and succeed, and so that we can all work inspired. Work Inspired is brought to you by BOS, a leader in commercial working environments and a Hayworth best-in-class dealership. Experience our 360 approach and discover the team, tools, and techniques required to navigate the complexity of your next workspace at BOS.com. If you have ideas, feedback, or would like to be featured on our show, please email podcast at BOS.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a Workspace Digital production. If you're interested in launching a podcast at your organization, please email info at workspace.digital for a free consultation.